Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody. How you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing fantastic. Uh, just uh, been a crazy week. Uh, went away for a few days. Um, uh, take a little break from life. Uh, and... Uh, just kind of relaxed. How about yourself, Jody? Uh, very good week. Even better Saturday. Uh, and uh, so we're having a good weekend. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, last week was a little interesting. I had some. I ordered. I had to order new checks, which was kind of. Um, hadn't had to order checks for you youngins out there. Checks are these uh, paper. A piece of paper that you uh, <laughs> ancient scrolls. They're ancient scrolls. Absolutely, on which we write. <laughs> I, I went to go reach for a new for a new pack, and I'm like, ah, they're gone. Like it was, I was out of my last check. Luckily, I don't use them that much, so um, I ordered them uh, through through my bank, and they should be here shortly. I'm not sure if I got them with the carbons this time. I know people are out there listening, um, the younger generation, like carbons and checks, and what's all that about? It's crazy, but I had to get some new checks. Once in a while, you have to pay by check or, or use a check for something. So I do like to have them. And then I got another mortgage protection card in the mail where they want me to uh, offer for affordable insurance protection for my mortgage. I don't think they're doing very well with their research when they uh, send these things out, to be honest with you, Jody. But uh, <laughs> I guess that's for what another podcast. A mortgage protection card? What is that? I guess it's it, it'll pay your mortgage off upon death. So it's it's a gimmick. What do you need that for? Yeah, I don't need it, right? Like I, I don't need it. Everyone <laughs> knows who's listening paid. to the podcast. The first episode we talked about me paying off my. Send mortgage. it over to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I think this is one of those scams, right? Like I think uh, if you're gonna protect yourself and and protect yourself from mortgage payments and such, just get decent life insurance for you and your family, right? For you and your spouse, and you could listen back to life insurance episodes. Decent life life insurance policies will cover. Anything you need in this space, I wouldn't go for a mortgage, uh, you know, standalone mortgage insurance by any way, shape, or form. So, um, today's topic, we're excited to have a special guest with us again, our college buddy and dear friend, Paul Becker. We're going to discuss with Paul empty nesting, life after kids leave home. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. The first news story is from Kiplinger. Uh, Thanks, Granny. Money, quirks, good or bad, can be inherited. To learn about your own financial strengths and elim- and help eliminate your weaknesses, trace your family tree. Ooh, Jody, this was this was an interesting story. Hit home, uh, honestly for me. I learned, I shouldn't say it this way, but realistically, I learned what not to do with money based on my family tree. Uh, I could see how traits can get inherited, uh, but for me, um, my between my mother and my father. Um, Honestly, the, the, the financial story was not pretty, right? It was pretty scary. So it kind of scared me straight, if that's the right way to put it. And, and I think for me, um, as we've always talked about on the show, I'm very risk adverse. Risk, you know, risk, um, my risk tolerance is low. I'm risk adverse. Um, I try to be conservative with my money. Um, so in that case, uh, for me, it's just something that's inherent in me. So probably hurts me in certain, re- in certain parts of my life, but for the most part, I'm happy with it, but that's kind of what I took away from the story, Jody. It really hit home for me. Uh, what was your take on this story? Yeah, there was this was a fun article. I mean, it's, it's certainly a, a, a gimmicky way to approach the subject, uh, and and a fun read. Um, you know, I, I come down sort of half and half. Yes, your financial habits and any of your habits, I think, in life are are partially formed by. Um, what you learn at the hand of your parents or the household that you grew up in. So that will influence how you live your life, including how you approach money. Um, But I also had the thought of, you know, at some point you got to pull up the big boy pants uh, and you got to live your own life. So, um, you know, I I think if you if you and this is probably what this article is trying to point out, you know, if if you recognize the habits that are sort of baked into you, um, via, you know, your upbringing and the, the, the environment you, you were formed in, um, if you recognize the advantages, the disadvantages that that gives you, um, and then work to fix whatever's not working, you're probably in pretty good shape, but yeah, fun read. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, for me, it hit home. I probably took it a bit more personal than, uh, 
than than you did, Jody. But I can it kind of resonated with me as I was kind of going through and looking at you know looking at the family patterns and looking at financial obstacles that my family faced and and the rules of money and and well, man, that could be another podcast. Anyway, we'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll keep moving along when it comes to uh, family and money. Uh, and we'll quickly go to the next story before I get in too much trouble. Um, the Mooresville Tribune got 15 minutes. Answer these five retirement planning questions. Very boilerplate to me, Jody. Um, you know, uh, the questions were, what do you want your retirement to look like? How long do you think your retirement will last? How much do you expect to spend annually in retirement? How much money do you expect from Social Security and other sources? Do you think you need to make any changes to your plan? Right. So I think this was, to me, um, kind of retirement, 50,000 foot, five key questions one-on-one, right? These are the kind of the five questions that maybe a financial planner might ask you at a high level. And then based on those answers, kind of dig deeper into into each of these questions and to different areas. Jody, what was your take on this story? Yeah, I agree. Uh, some super basic questions. Uh, when you're thinking about your retirement, uh, Paul, we've had discussions about this before. You have a very specific vision of your retirement. I don't. <laughs> right. right. Um, and so, but but nevertheless, I think these questions are all good questions to ask. And they're also the kinds of questions I think that you ask in a more general sense whenever you're planning something that involves financial planning. You know, whether it's you want to um, go on a vacation or buy a home or whatever uh, other kind of purchase you're looking to make, you know, you have to ask these kind of basic types types of questions. You know, what's it going to look like? How long is it going to last? How much do you expend, uh, expect to spend annually or spend on the thing you're buying? These are all basic, you know, math questions. So, yeah, good read. Very cool. Very cool. Well, with that, we'll bring in our guest, Paul Becker. Paul is a dear friend from our days at Fordham University. He's a regular guest now on the podcast. We can say he's actually a regular guest, which is awesome. We love having him. Paul, welcome back to Financial Dads. Good Paul. morning, Paul. Good morning, Jody. How's it going this morning? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just enjoying a uh, Sunday. We moved the taping to Sunday this week. Uh, so it's uh, just enjoying the weather, which is really nice. I don't know. I think by everybody, the weather's good. Perfect. Very cool. Very cool. So, Paul, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the real-world empty nesting experience. Uh, so we know that from your perspective, there's been a lot of change going on in your life in the last couple of years, right? Um, you're a little bit ahead of us when it comes to your boys and your kids. Uh, Jody and I are a little bit behind. I have my 16-year-old and my 10-year-old, so i got a ways to go before I'm even thinking about empty nesting. And, and Jody, you're the same way, right? Your kids are um, uh, younger than mine, right? Uh, marginally, but a little bit younger. So we want to ask you and pick your brain a little bit, Paul, on what you're experiencing. So tell us a little bit about what's happening. Sure. So um, one, you make me sound older than you. I, but you're I'm not. not. Yeah, you're actually younger than me. Yeah, let's point that out. Paul is actually younger than myself. <laughs> so I know that. I know that I just for certain. Birthday yesterday, which is so, so funny. Yes. At least I think it's oh, one year happy younger. birthday, Paul. Yes, yeah, very Thank close, you. very close. And Paul, your birthday's in November as well, right? Yeah, just yesterday. Ah, happy birthday, Paul. My apologies. I've been off the social media. I've been trying to stay. No, that's apologies. good. You're not really going to I should have known that. I used to have a Palm Pilot. Now I'm really dating the crowd, right? I had a Palm oh. Pilot used to tell me everyone's birthday, right? So, <laughs> happy birthday, Paul. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so so my kids are, are both in college, and uh, one's a senior, one's a junior. Uh, the senior, uh, I think his second weekend to school already secured his job for when he graduates oh, in you know, Congratulations. June. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's amazing. I'm really excited for him. And our, our junior is, you know, looking at internships now. But so we're in an interesting situation because their school is a very highly regarded rated school in the world especially in the field that they're going into and that's naval architecture and marine engineering what's really unique is it, it set up my wife and i astoundingly well because it's tuition free so we take that into account so we pay room and board for each boy obviously but this the actual tuition is tuition free which sets us up well and it allows amazing financial freedom in a way without that huge burden on them or us for school but being an empty nester with them gone it, it does change a lot of things and 
it's allowed us to really crystallize our financial plan differently. Okay, we can see what's coming in, what's going out a little bit easier. Not that you couldn't before, but all the things that change from a dollar point of view when they're home. And uh, probably the biggest hits are around food and such. But uh, the one bill I keep buying, waiting for them to get off our hours, is uh, the auto insurance. Ah, right. yes. Yeah, I was going to bring up so food and and because and I, I, I guess food's a big one, right? And the auto insurance is another one. Uh, do you anticipate when they when they leave school, Paul, that they're going to be on their own? Do you picture them coming home for a little bit and then jumping back out? Or what's your what, what is your view on this? Or what are they? What have you guys been talking about as a family? So my older one, his job will be in the Maryland, um, Washington D.C. area. So Got it. so he's not commuting. He will, he's not commuting. No. <laughs> he's not commuting uh, from Long Island. No. And the younger one, uh, I can see him either maybe going to grad school right out or a job. He tends to like the Connecticut, Boston area. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where he ends up. So I really don't anticipate either one of them coming home. Interesting. Which, yeah, which poses lots of interesting financial challenges for us, right? We've always asked them to, well, we know you guys aren't going to necessarily be together but it would be nice if you could live not too far from each other mm. again that's long-term planning you know when they have kids and you know if they have kids i should say you know we, we kind of want to be near them and en enjoy the family we, we love our family and so that that's one of the interesting challenges so if one's in dc and one's in boston well, i guess the middle is new york amtrak so, will I, be I, your friend <laughs> uh yeah true amtrak yeah. or or the with a self-driving car or something. That's like true. That. We're going to be – maybe we'll be there in, in another 10 years, right, with the self-driving cars. That will be probably for another podcast. But <laughs> uh, that's cool. So they, you, you anticipate they really won't come home and they would probably move their, most of their stuff out. And, and, and then I guess that leaves you, you know, uh, where maybe we'll just jump into the topics, right, uh, Paul? Where like the first topic, and I was just about to say, is downsizing, right, both stuff and the home. So you're going to be at a point where both boys are out. And they're going to be on their own. They're going to take as much stuff as they can from home. And then you and Janine are going to be looking at each other saying, hmm, what are we doing next here, right? I just had a good friend of mine. Uh, I just saw on Facebook uh, his, his two kids are out of the house. He sold his house and is moving into an apartment. He just he didn't need the big house anymore. And he had this big, beautiful house in Long Island uh, with a swimming pool and, and, and everything. And now it's just by himself. So... Um, I guess he, he was, it was news to me. He decided to sell. What is your thoughts when it comes to, to downsizing both the stuff in the home and the home itself, Paul? Yeah, so where I live is um, sort of a, an expensive area. So part of me is thinking, well, okay. And I actually look all the time, even locally. Well, do I go a couple towns over and maybe even not physically downsizing, but cashing out a little bit? Um, and then just bankroll myself, have more funds available to me. But I also look at the taxes and you know what I'm paying for taxes in my area versus you know a couple towns over. It's not that different, and it, it's it's kind of nice where we are. So I don't know, but a lot of it is where do I want to retire and and what do I want to do. So for me, downsizing there are a couple things to it. One, um, I like having my own office for working from home. I've worked from home before COVID a lot and now everyone's working from home so that's nice but I also like my my tools and my, my my workshop so an apartment really wouldn't work for me well well, you could <laughs> just your, your neighbors would be really 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 mad at you <laughs> yeah yes. well, well yeah some were noisy but some were also um uh, they give off they are yeah. off gassing meaning because one is a laser machine so I do laser cutting and, uh, you know, I have a special filtration system just for that. So it, it gets expensive, and uh, but it also gets, you know, smelly. So I kind of have to be cognizant of that. But for us, it's also, you know, we did an episode on the, uh, the boats, and we, we love having the boat. So I want to be near the water. And, you know, but with the boys gone and seeing the clearer picture of 
money, it, it gives us uh, options. The one thing you sort of have to be careful with, in my opinion, is not all of a sudden seeing the money come in and go yeehaw and uh, and spend it all, right? This is the time, we're all at the time in our lives where, you know, you try and bulk up your savings and plan, you know, again, that age where retirement isn't necessarily always that far away. So I have to start planning, you know, you obviously you've been planning hopefully for a while, but now's where it becomes a lot clearer as to what things might look like for you. Yeah, I think Jody and I, we've talked about this in the past and, 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 I'm hoping to retire in my 60s, and, and Jody, you, I know you've talked about probably just not retiring <laughs> at this point, right? Like, I think we have a different view on it, um, different stages in life, um, especially where the kids are in age. Jody, what's your take when it comes to kind of downsizing? I know for me, I've told this to my wife a number of times, there's no way we're staying in this home once the kids leave. Like, I just don't, I, it's just too much for me to just deal with, and, and the expense of it, the taxes, I would def definitely have to lift and shift myself to a different area. But Joey, what's your take when it comes to the downsizing, both the stuff and the home? Yeah, well, I, I'm a, I sort of am a, a minimalist in spirit. <laughs> Sometimes I don't live that minimalist life. Um, but I do believe in, in, um, getting rid of things you really don't need and that includes stuff that might be in your house the number of rooms that might be in your house and the cost of whatever it is that you're that you're bearing every month you know and you've got those you you sort of got two categories in my brain you got two categories of things you've got um you know bills that you pay that can eventually go away like maybe a credit card balance that you eventually pay off or a mortgage that you eventually pay off and you've got the consumption costs which will be with you as long as you're alive like taxes and food and utilities and things like that um, so so I have this minimalist spirit of, of getting rid of as much as you don't need really don't need to make room for the things that you really do need and that you will either enjoy or that you must bear in, in terms of you know every we all need food you know that kind of stuff and and when you're not spending money on um, uh, on things that you can get rid of you can spend more money on the things that are enjoyable like food you know I mean food is fun at least it should be um, as an example um, Downsizing. I mean, we already downsized once. You know, we've downsized from the house that we had immediately before this one to this one. It was a terrific decision. Um, and, and so I think that people should just kind of pare down their lives, um, like I said, to, to get rid of the things that you really don't need to make room for the, for the things that you love. Yeah. So, Jody, yeah, question ahead. on that. Uh, just philosophical questions, right? So when I think about that and I think about, you know, as the kids are older – one of the challenges, one of the things my wife and I have talked about is we want to make sure that we, you know, don't downsize so much or overdo things so much that the kids don't have a place to come back to, even when they're older, even when they have a family. We want to make sure we can sort of have them, you know, it's sort of a, a way to keep ties, right, versus to some extent an apartment and then if they're in different cities, they come up, well, now it's a hotel thing or, or things like that. Have you guys thought about that at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and let me preface, you know, what I just said and what I'm about to say by saying that, you know, it's different for everybody, right? You yeah. got to do what works for you. Absolutely. And I think we've, we've talked about this on the podcast a number of times, you know, just because it might make sense for, for any one of the three of us doesn't mean it makes sense for anyone else. Um, you know, understanding that, you know, math is math and that's the only thing that's absolute. <laughs> yeah. It, it's... Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, now to that point, um, um, Paul, that you bring up, um, I, I totally agree with that, that um, as our kids grow and go out and create lives of their own, we may want to have somewhere for them to come back to where they can, you know, come, stay, be comfortable, what have you. Um, I'll say on the flip side of that, when we go to visit my wife's um, brothers, one of whom lives in Washington, D.C., um, you know, they have a very nice house, but they don't have guest rooms for everybody. We do stay in a local hotel for two nights, and that's cheaper for everybody uh, in terms of, you know, they don't have to maintain a, a, a house that has a number of guest rooms that they only use a handful of times a year. Um, and we're able to just, you know, grab a hotel room for a couple nights, and it, and it makes it makes more financial sense. Again, that's for us. That's what works for them. 
And so we do what what we need to do in that situation. But it's not for everybody. No. And I, I by the way, my brother and sister, yeah, no, not coming and staying with me. I think more <laughs> about the kids and their families in the future. I do have a line. Yeah, I, I guess for me, when I hear all these different pieces, the things that come into mind are, um, Paul, it's a great call out because the kids coming home, right? I think that's a great piece. And I didn't really reflect upon that until you kind of said it out loud. When my parents downsized from their house to their apartment, not only did they go to an apartment, but they went to an apartment that had like no parking. And I know that sounds very small, but to be honest with you, when my parents were there, I we didn't visit as much because it was a pain to go visit. We had to like park on the street. When I say park on the street, it was like way down the street. Like there was no guest parking. So I could see that part of it, and even from that little piece. But I agree with Jody. I think it's going to come down to uh, how much bandwidth, how much financial capital you have and for every situation. Like ideally, in retirement, it'd be great to have a big house, maybe just stay in the house I'm in and the kids always know to come back, right? Eh, I don't know, right? Like I just don't know if we're going to be able to kind of weather that storm financially. Um, I've said this on, this on the show before and I'll, I'll say it again. I have another good buddy of mine who has a house out on the Jersey Shore. It's a, it was a second home. It's soon to be their primary home. But it's just big enough where they have three kids. Those kids come home every t- every minute they can from California, from Brooklyn, from upstate New York, because they get to go to the cool beach house. Right. Right. So it's the destination that's... point. And it's just big enough to have family gatherings and stuff. So I totally hear you, but I think it's going to come down to budgeting and how much you can afford to kind of have um, in terms of having that extra space for the kids. Absolutely. So I have expensive tastes. I think you guys know that. I know you certainly do, Paul. And that's why I'm looking, you know, my wife and I, I'm every night I probably look at houses where I can have access to the water, but in a warmer climate where the water's clearer. But And that is part of our plan is making it a place, a destination in itself, making that home and where everyone can come and gather even as they have families and potentially grow and and such so that that's part of our plan is you know get rid of this maybe and then do something somewhere else where there is that room very cool very cool um i think the next topic we'll kind of jump to and we touched upon a little bit is kind of this cost savings and paying off debt so I know everyone's got a different view on this. Um, you know, when it comes to mortgage pay down, credit card pay down, auto loan pay down, even school loans, stuff like that, being kind of debt free before retiring. Um, that's been my goal. If I can, I'm not there yet, so I don't know. I don't know what college will look like um, with my kids and what my budgets will look like. So I'm gonna, I reserve the right to. I got to figure that out at this point. Um, but but Paul, what's your take when it comes to kind of before retiring or as you're empty nesting, thinking about paying off the debt and, 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 and focusing a bit more on cost savings? So it's interesting to bring that up because, again, as I feel like my picture has gotten clearer in the last few years, especially the last, you know, four years, uh, my picture's changed in a way. Uh, some and some of it's a maturity thing. Some of it is, you know, just hard math, as Jody says, factual. And Jody, the other thing is always taxes. Don't forget the taxes. You have math and taxes that are always there. Um, so I prefer, like you, Paulie, to be debt free. Like I, I, I hate seeing any bills coming in ever. You know, whether it be the mortgage or you know car payments. I don't have any. Haven't had any in many years now. But I, I don't like that. But when I look at the math of it now that it's, things are getting better dollar-wise or understanding it, you know, I look at the amount we're putting away in retirement every year, the amount we already have saved. And then, you know, I'm fortunate where my wife, she'll have a, an actual retirement pension plan and I'll have two small ones from some of the companies I've worked at. Well, I do take all these numbers together and... I do the low worst case scenario, best case scenario on income return. And part of me goes, well, gee, you know, if I have, uh, pick, pick a number, uh, I, I don't know, what, what's a fair number to pick? A million dollars, right? In, in retirement. So if I have my wife's pension, I have two small pensions from me and 
assuming we have Social Security available to us, when I look at those as the primary income sources, that's not touching the 401k and, and that money we have saved up there. And if you're getting, you know, 5% a year on the, maybe the lower side, that's a significant amount of money coming in on top of that. And so is it okay to have a loan? And it's really the, the cost of borrowing that comes down to. So what, what percentage rate is the loan at? Is it at, you know, 7% or is it at 3%? And, and what is it for? So if you're making 5% on your money, but you're paying 3% on a loan, kind of, you know, as much as I hate having any debt hanging over me, that's how I look at debt and those loans. But when you do the math, uh, it makes sense to keep that money as long as you can, even if money is, especially as money is cheaper. So that's how my, my, my thinking's changed a little bit over the past couple of years. Yeah, I think that, and Jody, you'll agree, the, our financial superhero, and you know whom you know him as well, Paul, but he always renames, remains nameless on this show, he's in total agreement with you, right? He thinks I'm a moron for paying off my mortgage, right? Yeah. And I think that he, he uses much, you know, he, 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 he's very harsh on me when it comes to that um, because he thinks that, and he believes, and, and, and it is true that I think you can, you, if you are investing, technically you'd probably make more money investing than if you took that money money and paid off your mortgage i think for me it came down to my nature being risk adverse it came down to um thinking that at least for me i just want to get rid of it i don't want to see it anymore and i just i just want to be done with it and then what i noticed kind of the silver lining in it is uh saving starts to come back up because you're not spending all that money on the mortgage every month. So that was kind of like the the way I was looking at it. The same thing with cars, right? And at some point I'm going to have to get a couple of new cars again and I have to figure out what that looks like whether I'm going to pay cash or finance those and that'll be probably for another podcast. But um there are a lot of folks that are in agreement with you, right? And 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 I'm probably the minority here in terms of getting rid of your debt go before going into retirement. A lot of people do go in with with debt, whether it's mortgage debt or a little bit of debt. I think for me, um, my my plan is still to try not to go into retirement with debt. I don't know, Jody, what's your take on it when it comes to paying off debt and cost savings in retirement? Yeah, my uh, my opinion is is kind of closer to yours, uh, Paul. Um, I, I want I want to pay off everything I can pay off. Um, I want to keep as much money as I can in my pocket, so I can then make it go to the things that I either have to continue to pay like consumption costs, including taxes, um, or put it into savings or, you know, the, the thing we want to go buy, the vacation we want to go on, whatever that thing is. Um, I'm, I'm all about getting rid of bills that can be got rid of. Uh, so I, I agree with you both, right? I, I hate having debt, but when I do the math, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. So my, my parents came over yesterday. We were talking. My dad, uh, his financial advisor, showed him two bonds that uh, one was paying around 4%. And I'm like, okay, it's a corporate bond from a very well-known financial institution. Paul, you actually worked at that financial institution mm -hmm. uh, years ago. And it was I think it was like 399% or something. I'm like, okay, so it's 399, reputable firm, big firm. And I'm thinking, gosh, do I take some money I have saved and put it in that? Because my mortgage, I'm at 2.875%. Uh, right. So not a lot of money, I know, but it's better than the point whatever percent in a bank account right now. Yeah, and I think that it, it is a very interesting topic that I think we've talked about a lot in previous podcasts, but I, I am interested if anyone out there is listening that want to send us any questions on this or, or send us any of their comments, uh, send it to the financial dads at gmail.com. We'd love to kind of talk about them in some of the upcoming podcasts. But I think with, with, with that, I think it comes down to what we've talked about before on the show guys. And that's around, you know, personal finance is personal. So for me, um, there's, there, I think the way I do it is, is good, but the way you're doing it, Paul, and the way you're viewing it is the way, many people view it and there's and it and it works 
right? There's it can't be disputed because it does make sense mathematically. Um, yeah, but but it's a it's a comfort level, right? How comfortable are you with it? And I think to both of your points, when when you don't have the debt really hanging over your head, and you see that that nest egg there, it's a comfort factor. It's a it's a um, it's really an emotional comfort factor like a, a safety net that's really what it is and back to the topic at hand you know knowing the kids are going to be on their own soon and not living at home i know their expenses are going to be more and so to some extent i wonder well you know do we try and figure out how to help them more you know they're both very good at saving. Uh, they were both 18. They, on their 18th birthdays, I think I said this last one other time, they, they opened up their own investment accounts and put some money in there that they had. So it was great. Far cry from where I was, let me tell you. Very 18, cool. I was not thinking about yeah. investing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. And I think that leads into our next topic, which is around encouraging kids' independence, right? So you're, you're touching upon it now. Um, how much do you give to the kids how much do you encouraging them to be independent while still supporting them what what does that balance look like to you paul so uh this also to me it is not just the financial independence but touches on another topic that you know we've talked about paul and that's generational wealth right you know, at, at some point maybe you're you're in a position where you can help them even more and build that up so i am all for financial independence I, I i don't ask for anything uh, you know my my in-laws and my parents have been generous with us over the years you know birthdays christmas whatever and teaching the kids the financial independence as a young age is, is super important and and helps them understand and it's really simple they want x well you have y money from your birthday how much of why money do you want to spend on that? And it's kind of great to watch their mind go, oh, wait a second. Hold on. It's actually coming out of my pocket now, mm. not yours. And, you know, so we, we, we strike a balance with it here in our house. Sometimes like, well, no, that is going to cost you X amount, especially when they're in college and they want something. Like, well, how much of your money are you putting in on this? And let them own up to that. Yeah, I think I no. think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go, no, ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, for me, I think that encouraging the kids' independence is important. That that's that's my hope, right? I I'm hoping that when they're you know 21, 22, they're not living in my basement, right? They're on their own. They're 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 working. They're happy at what they're doing. Uh, happy with life and and being able to support themselves. And I, and I'll try to support them as best I can without enablement. And I think that's what's key to me. Jody, what's your take when it comes to your vision, you know, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, encouraging your kids' independence when it comes to money? Well, I think it goes without saying that, one, we're all going to encourage our kids to be as independent as possible. Two, if they ever need uh, us to, as a fallback, um, we're here. Um, that's what we do as parents. We volunteered for the job. We do it as best we can. Um, I hear what you're saying, Paul, about the not enabling, and I agree with that. Um, but at the end of the day, if it all falls out from under their feet, they know they can always come home to mom and dad um, Absolutely. When, when they need, right? I think we all agree yep. on that as parents. Um, uh, and I, I think that uh, if you ask my son right now, he's, he's never leaving home because <laughs> 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 he loves it here. And that's a great, you know, and, that's, and, and our daughter too. You want. Like, that's a great feeling as a parent, right? Like the, the, they don't want to leave. I mean, eventually they'll get to a place where they do, and that's a good thing too. Um, but I, I also think it comes back to when we were talking about, you know, getting rid of debt versus versus borrowing in the math and all the other thing we have to throw in there um, is your comfort level with risk. Yeah. And how much risk are you are you willing to uh, to assume? Right? <laughs> I don't right. like and any. All you, you and I are very much aligned. We're like, I don't like no, any. I don't want any risk. <laughs> and that's why I want to get rid of debt is because I, I don't want any risk. I don't want to owe anybody. I will owe enough in the consumption costs that we talk about. Uh, that we talked about. Um, I don't want to owe anybody any more money to the point where, you know, like if I, if I, you know, charge something, 
uh, and I need to let it sit for a day to let the charge post before I pay it off with the cash that I have to pay it off, I'm, I got the jitters for like a day because <laughs> I see that credit card balance. Like, I know I'm going to pay it off tomorrow once it posts, but damn it, I want to pay it off today. That's right. Uh, so it's so it's a balance of math and risk. See, yeah, that's that's funny. See, I, I, I hate having the debt too, but that's interesting, Jody, about the credit cards. See, I know maybe I am a little bit more riskier than you than you two gentlemen, but uh, so I'll know which credit cards um, post, you know, which is their closing date of the bill. So I've done things where, okay, I'll time it to right after a post, right after it closes a statement for that purchase maybe, and then I actually have my money longer. And then when the bill comes in, then I just pay it off. I, I never, I don't keep the balance on the cards, but sometimes I'll, I'll do things like that to, to take advantage of the time. So I do have my money longer, even though I have that item, whatever it is. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, like I said, we 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 could probably talk about this aspect all day. And if we bring the financial superhero on, um, he'll never join the show. But he has a, his view is way different than my view or Jody's view. And we've talked about this openly. And 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 he, um, you know, he's just gonna have, blow it all up. Which one? He'll blow. He'll blow it all up. And he'll blow me up. Yeah, he'll blow me out of the water, right? Just I'll be I'll quit podcasting. I think when he joins the uh, <laughs> from his financial superpowers. Oh, I'm doing it all wrong. Right <laughs> but, but Paul, if you go back to like the, the kids and helping them, and Jody, you know, if they're ever there, one thing Paul and I had a side conversation a couple of weeks ago, and that's, you know, well, how much. You know, do you help the kids and such? And I had an idea that I was toying with, and I'm not sure I can do it yet, dollar-wise, or do I want to in a way. But you know, my older one, his job, because of the the world it is or whatever, you know, it's not going to be, especially just out of college, you don't make a lot of money. And what his peers will be making probably out of college will be a little bit more. But it's a good, very interesting job, and he'll like it for a while, we think. So, do I was sort of making almost like making a deal with him, which sounds really wrong, but that's the only way I can think about it is to say, all right, if you put $500 a month, say, into your 401k on day one, I will give you that $500 a month to help him build that long-term nest egg. And that goes into the whole generational wealth topic, right? By helping him or both of them start their 401k and get putting more and more money in every year that could have tremendous and we know it will tremendous impact for them 40 50 years down the line yeah and i think that's going to be about the balance paul and and that was one of the topics i wanted to hit upon um you're not quite there yet paul and 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 for me it's 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 hitting this year is this you know looking at as you're as you're empty nesting any 401k changes right you're you know at this point at some point you'll be able to do catch-up contributions right so is it better to put the money into your 401k or or give that extra amount to your kids or split the middle right and try to figure out what that looks like maybe you do both right but i know for me this year um, i'm not close to any kind of empty nesting anytime soon but I am going to start taking advantage of the only kind of tax break you get as a employee is kind of investment into yourself when it comes to your 401k. So um, as of this year, I did start doing the catch up contributions. Right. And I'm going to try so to max that out. Right. So did I. And try to really. Oh, so we are the same age. OK, cool, yeah. cool, cool. That's right. OK. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 interesting. So I'm going to max that out. And, and try to do that. So you're on the same boat with that, right, Paul? You, your your belief is that these catch-up contributions just kind of just put as much away as you can um, as part of the empty nesting strategy, right? You're going to spend less on consumption in the household, so you be have a little more money to kind of pay towards yourself when it comes to your 401k. Yeah. So a good friend of mine at work, he and I had this debate as well. Well, why am I putting away? He's uh, I think two years older than us. He's like, why am I going to put away the extra, I think it's $6,500 this year, into the 401k as a catch-up, right? Oh, so over 10 years, he said to me, Paul, it's it's 65 grand, say. Okay. Yeah, it's still 65 grand. It's tax-free. He's like, yeah, but that's 65 grand. I'd rather have for me right now. 
in the grand scheme of my retirement plan, for him, $65,000 is not going to change him that much. And, you know, even when you do the compounding interest, it's still not a lot. But it, but it was just interesting to hear, you know, his take on it, you know. So, so 65 grand, 10 years, you throw in some interest on there, you know, maybe you're at 90 over a 10 year, maybe more. I don't know. But. Yeah, the, I think there's a couple of factors there, right? I think, you know, when you're investing pre-tax 401k, there's the, to your point, right? So you're going to put in this, you know, X amount of dollars per year for 10 years or 12 years, whenever you plan on retiring. Um, but you get to do the catch-up contribution kind of in what for as long as you need to. Um, but there's also the tax savings on that money. So you're not paying taxes now on the 6,500. So there's, there's all these nuances. I think it comes down for me kind of just I want to keep dollar cost averaging into the accounts, right? I just want to keep pushing as much cash in there as possible. So when I'm ready to retire, that nest egg is as big as possible. And if they give me the bonus of being able to put another $6,500 tax-free, right? It comes off the AGI, the adjusted gross income, and goes right into my 401k, I'm going to take it. So Jody, I don't know what your take is on that, uh, on, on that, on that, um, philosophy um in terms of 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 paying yourself that additional amount when you hit 50 i think you gotta you gotta look at your spreadsheet and you gotta Mm. figure out what you're gonna what you're gonna need what you can afford to put aside uh i fully agree with any philosophy that is put aside as much as you can for potential future use especially if you can look down the line and see that coming um and let's get you know, let's face it, we're all getting older and we're all going to need more money when we get older because there's going to be health care costs and all kinds of other things. Um, I, th- I, I agree with the philosophy of putting aside as much as you possibly can for future use. The worst thing that happens is that you've got a pile of money and you don't need it. Yeah, exactly. For the thing you thought, the, for the thing you thought you were going to need it for. Mm-hmm. See, and the other logic I have, I agree with both of you gentlemen, is it, it's there, it's aside, but instead of it being in your regal bank account. I was like, ah, sure, I got the money, I'll go get X, whatever X gadget toy or, or thing is, right? You're, you're putting it away. And you can always adjust it too, as you're putting the money away. You're like, eh, you know, I'm getting a little tight, you know, I'm uncomfortable. You go back it down again. And it, it's only, it's tax deferred, Paul, not tax free. Right, so right, right, right. Well, I, I, I guess, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I guess that's what I meant to say. And the hope is that you're I just have to ticking the can down the road to to come when your tax base is a little lower, right? So um, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of nuances and calculations that go into um, that. And to your friend's point, it's I, I don't think it's black and white. I think there's a lot of gray there. That's what I was trying to illustrate. But you're right. That's the it is. You will pay your taxes. The tax man will come <laughs> on that money. Um, mm-hmm. I think that leads into the next piece, which is bud- budgeting. And and Jody, you touched upon it. Um, make sure you could put that money away, and that's according to your budget, as well as uh, consumption costs in, in empty nesting. So I guess maybe, Paul, I'll flip back to you first. In terms of budgeting and empty nesting, how has that changed, and, and what does that look like in terms of with the kids kind of being out? So... Uh... I would say one thing, COVID sort of flipped it on its ear a little bit, right? Because in my mind, all right, the kids are off at school. You know, we we don't go food shopping as much. That's probably the biggest single change is the the food bill right now. And once they're fully out on their own, then other things like that, I was saying the auto insurance will change. And that's probably the next big, big one. But, you know, you remember the Saturday Night Live skit, you know, consuming mass quantities right that's what i feel like all kids do (laughs) (laughs) and so it's the mass quantities of food but it's also the little things of you know maybe not as much right now because no one's driving anywhere really but you know the gas money the we live on long island so it's toll money to go to the bridge to go visit someone you know on the easy pass it's all these little things that that come in and with COVID, it got messed up because all of a sudden they came home for months, mm. and our, our food bill, you know. So it's just my wife and I, and they both came home. I would say our food bill 
like tripled at least. Yeah, it didn't double with two no, boys. I've seen your boys, me, they're, and, and they're not—they're they're big guys, but they're not big guys. But they—they—they they, they hold their own, probably eating right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're—they're they're skinny, but yeah, they, yep. they can eat, man. Yep. And and it, and it's not. Oh, I just want eggs for breakfast. No, it's like you know, it's 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 eggs, it's the bacon, it's you know, it's it's everything, and and these little things add up, and it's not just a simple dinner. It's you know, oh, we want burgers and chicken and this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, how much you can eat? <laughs> I'm like, can you go back to school? It's much cheaper for me actually if you're at school almost. That's too funny. That is too funny. But but then is you know. You, you know, you teach financial independence, but when they're at home, it's kind of like, all right, fine, go get, you know, whatever. Maybe you need, a, I don't know, a new keyboard because you don't like your keyboard. Fine, whatever. But my kids have expensive tastes. Apparently, you can get really ex- – I'm thinking a keyboard. You know, at work, for me, I pay 20 bucks for a keyboard and mouse. We're also deploying thousands of them, you know. Meanwhile, my son goes gets a new keyboard. It's like sixty-five, seventy bucks. I'm like, it's a keyboard. Yeah, I yeah. They're dime a dozen to me, and so they do have expensive taste, and those things do come into play. Like, oh, my ex, my iPad's getting old now. Like, mm, looks like it's still working to me. Yeah. So, so I guess there is still a little bit of that. So from a budgeting perspective, um, it's yeah, gone it's down a black. bit, but you're with COVID that kind of exacerbated kind of a little more spend when it comes to some of these pieces especially when they were back home right yeah because also when they're back home it was i i want to make sure they were properly set up so did they bring everything home you know maybe i think we might have gotten one of them docking station for the machine and you know i i set up i set up an additional satellite for the wi-fi network and ran hard wires so not big dollars, but little things still do add up just to make sure they could work from home functionally. You know, even desk chairs, you know, stuff they have at school that all of a sudden they don't have at home that everyone else who went home to work from home had a setup. We just had two more to do instead of just two. Understood. Set up. And, and Jody, what's your take? You're our budgeting expert on the show. What what, is, what are your thoughts when it comes to budgeting and empty nesting? I know you're not there yet. But what are your kind of your future thoughts when it comes to that? Does anything change as you as you envision your kids leaving the nest? Well, I mean, things the, the math will definitely change, right? And the specifics will definitely change. But the philosophy of it, I think, has to remain the same. Uh, and and for me, that's going to be making sure that I've properly assessed every single knowable budget item, predicting it and and, and projecting it out over the course of the year, saving appropriately over the course of the year, making sure that I've got, you know, that little amount of money tucked aside for any kind of an emergency or something that might pop up. And also making sure that we're putting aside appropriately for things that we want to do, not just not just making it right. But, uh, you know, getting by and paying the things we need to pay, but actually being able to enjoy life. And that means spending. So appropriately uh, budgeting and saving and then spending where we want to. Very cool. So, question, question for both of you. Curious, with uh, with COVID, have you changed your financial patterns at all? I know I have. Mm. Have you changed anything at all? Yeah, I think in terms of change for me, what I've noticed is things. I've been able to save more money in COVID, mm-hmm. just naturally. Um, I think certain things have gone up. So my my, I'm sure. I think my my uh, electric and my gas have gone up, but then my commuting costs are are are, are gone. Um, I'm not putting gas in the car because I'm not really not going too many places. So I I think I've noticed that for me, um, I've been able to save more money in COVID, which I'm thankful and grateful, right? Because a lot of people are not even close to that, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. I'm lucky in the fact that I could work from home. Many Americans can't, and it's awful for people out there. I have a lot of friends and family that are working, and they have to be at their job to work, period, end of story, right, which makes this incredibly hard. Uh, But for me personally, thankful and grateful I've been able to save money in this time. Jody, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm not sure that we've been able to save a lot more money, but – 
You know, I, I approach the budget from a micro perspective to begin with. So if nothing, I don't think anything major has changed. Sure, we've we've saved where we're not buying a tank of gas or or maybe we've spent a little more because we're buying a little more food because we're all home or the utility bill might have ticked up a, a couple of bucks. Um, but so assessing the the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows of the budget and then reallocating to take advantage of any kind of savings where we need to and then maybe applying that to other areas where there might be might be a shift. So, uh, I, you know, I can't say that we we were able to um, either cut back drastically on anything uh, or 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 put money aside drastically on anything. It's just kind of, you know, working the numbers and, and staying on top of it. Yeah, I love it because it's still the, the same approach, Paul, that we always take. So I budget at the macro level, Jody at the micro level. So me at the macro level, if I look at it overall, there's some level of increased savings. But but Jody, you have your numbers in check, <laughs> so you know exactly what's happening. <laughs> you have a much clearer picture than I do. But I know that I'm I, staring I at all way. all 125 Excel spreadsheet lines of my budget right now. That's right. That's, That's funny. Right. It's very cool. That's funny because I, I believe it or not, my budget is more macro level for day to day. But my retirement budget that I started now, looking at the daily spends of everything, is much more detailed. And it's sort of to have fear of not having the money later. Yeah, I so, think that's key, Paul, right? You have to be maybe more constrictive with your budget as you're going into retirement because if you're cutting down or, you know, if you're cutting off your major income source and you're shifting gears to income that some is steady, some maybe not so steady as your 401k might dip and roller coaster, you know, through the next 20 years, 30 years. Um, I, I think it, it's interesting. So I think you do have to take a sharper eye at looking at the budgets um, and budgeting your money tighter when you don't have that big income stream coming in, if, you, if, you, if that's the plan, right, as you go into yeah. retirement. Yeah. So I think the next two topics I want to hit upon um, – real quick is around life insurance changes. Are you making any changes to your life insurance now that the kids are, are empty nesting and leaving? And then kind of, this is the most mundane kind of grounding one is the orderly estate planning and any changes there now that the kids are out of the house. So Paul, from your perspective, have you looked at any life insurance changes and have you looked at any estate planning changes um, as your kids are, are leaving the nest and now you don't have to worry about having someone taking care of them and guardianship and there's got to be a fundamental shift in your wills and estates and maybe even looking at your life insurance wow deep stuff yeah i know we get we get deep we try to cover all the topics when it comes to empty nesting (laughs) so uh from a life insurance point of view interesting because i've been thinking about that a little bit more lately you know hitting a, a bigger number in the years uh so part of me is thinking, okay, you know, maybe I'll actually up it a little bit. And, and the logic there might sound opposite. And, but the, my, there is logic in my weird mind is, well, if something were to happen, I want to make sure longer term, long term that my wife and, and family are still okay. I know a lot of people use their mortgage as a gauge. Right. So if you owe 200,000 on the house, you want at least 200,000 in the mortgage in, in the life insurance to cover the mortgage. And depending on the age of the kids, well, you also try to factor in, OK, if you can, again, how much it costs, you have to figure out. But including in, OK, well, college mortgage and then take it from there. So people tend to scale it back a little bit over the years. Uh, I'm sort of thinking, well, do I want to scale it up a little bit right now? Uh, it's something I'm toying with. I, I haven't really made a, a significant change. My company's open, open enrollment, I think, starts tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I, I might make that option in the next few days to, to kick it up a little bit more. Uh, from a state planning, from a will perspective, now the kids are both adults. You know, things do change there uh, dramatically, right? It's it's no longer the kids are going to someone's a relative, right? Mm-hmm. No, they're on their own, and the finances w- would set to be, you know, obviously it goes to well, the wife first or your spouse first, I should say, and then you could divvy it up amongst the kids equally. 
Yeah, I think for me, when I look at this piece, uh, life insurance, I've always kind of viewed as, and we did a whole episode on this, where we, we focus on term insurance only. You rent mm. it, and when you don't need it anymore, it disappears. It's kind of like auto insurance. Um, right. For us, I think I'm going to leave it static until the kids are out of the house, and then I'll have to just revisit it. And I think at that point in time, it's going to depend on how expensive it is, number one, and it's also going to depend on how healthy I am at the time, right? So those two factors, if I'm not healthy and it's too expensive, I'm done. If it feels like it's cheap enough at that time, maybe I'll keep it uh, or keep a smaller portion of it. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I, I think that it's all going to depend upon when I get to that point in my life what that uh, balance will look like in terms of uh, the dollars. So, oh, that's so funny. We got the. Uh, we always say our podcast is very authentic. So that's my phone ringing. If anyone's asking, um, and then from estate planning, um, yeah, I, at that point in time, I plan on just with my kids. You know, when they're of age, I'll make any adjustments uh, to the wills and estates to kind of take out those clauses around guardianship and and such, and then try to figure out, you know which one of them would be the executor? Do I keep another executor that's independent? And I'll figure all that out. Jody, what's your take when it comes to life insurance changes and, and estate planning? Do you have any, any kind of future vision on these two topics? No, I think you just, uh, you do what you do with anything else. You adjust to your circumstances. Uh, you make it work for the circumstance you find yourself in. Um, and also just make sure that you're looking forward enough that you um, can anticipate changes that are coming. You know, don't, don't get caught things like changing wills and insurance and stuff, you know, it's, it's not exactly high priority. Right. And, and it's sort of that thing that you maybe need to, you know, write down a piece of paper, stick on the refrigerator, you know, to remind yourself and it might even take you months to get around to doing it. So be, have a little forethought and, and know that it's coming so you can change it at an appropriate time. Not that it needs to get changed on, you know, the day that they turn a certain age or something like that. Um, but just, you know, have the forethought to do it. And because you, what you don't want to end up doing is is overpaying um, for something you don't need, and you also don't want to let something lapse that's going to create a problem for people you might leave behind. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think there's one last question as we wrap up the podcast. And and Jody and uh, we've talked about this in the past in terms of when when do you stop working. But I'll ask Paul, uh, what what is your long you know when, now that the kids are empty, you're going to be you're becoming that empty nester. Um, how much longer do you plan on continuing to, to work kind of the nine to five or what are your plans when it comes to, um, employment looking, wow, you know, again. past empty nesting? Yeah. Wow. Uh, again, more deep stuff for uh, Sunday morning, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, for, for me, my job is such there's uh, sometimes a lot of pressure on and it, it can be a stressful job at times and you know it, it really for me it's uh, i enjoy what i do and everything but sometimes it is just really dollars and cents and you know and part of it is my wife and i've had this discussion a number of times like well how many more years do i have left in me right mm-hmm. so it, it's sort of a, a different way of thinking about it it's not just about the money but it's how many more years left do i have in me you know, I'm fortunate in that you know, my home value has gone up a lot and things where I could adjust my retirement plan in a way that could have a profound impact on how much time I I want to work. Right. So let's say my house is, you know, we're 600,000 right now. OK, fine. So do do instead of I when I retire if I want to move somewhere do I buy another six hundred thousand dollar house make an even swap or do I maybe do four hundred and pocket the two to, mm-hmm. and let me do it earlier the retirement earlier these are things I'm grappling with really right now in you know how much longer do I want to do it my wife loves her job her job is very different and she'll have a nice retirement package when she's done so in a way for us, her working a little bit longer, you know, she loves it and that's great. I just don't know. Uh, honestly, uh, you know, part of me thinks maybe another five years, maybe mm-hmm. eight years. Okay. Um, can, can I make it, Paul, another 12? Uh, 
you know, to 62. I, I don't know. Maybe I can. Maybe I can. I, I enjoy my, my free time. I really do. Um, I, I make products. I make things, uh, you know, whether products for fire department, fire service. I, I toying around with, you know, like an SD type store using the machinery I have and, you know, having fun doing that, maybe bringing in a little income, obviously not enough to replace. But, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough one. That's kind of where I'm at on that. No, understood. Yeah. It's 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 a complex question, and it's a it's a it's a topic that I've been wanting to hit on, on in in terms of the uh, the podcast at some point. So we might have to bring you back to talk about that exact question, right? How much I longer do you want to continue working, right? right? I think that'd be a whole <laughs> podcast for all of us, for each of us, yeah, right, to to talk through. And, and just one other thought, Paul, uh, while we we're talking here, I'm sorry, you know, those of you, you know, the the additional money for retirement to, to catch up money isn't just when you're 50 it's the year you turn 50 yes so those listeners who may not understand that it, you know you could be turning you know 50 on december 30th you have the whole year to put that 6500 away up to 6500 if you want to yep i, I totally agree <laughs> and and i found that out this year accidentally so oh, really? i think the that? way i didn't realize that Oh. And I was looking at the laws, but then I looked at my 401k plan and I blew past the the standard contribution. So it must know unless it I stop yeah, it. Yeah, it automatically rolls in. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it does all the, the work for you. So for those of you out there, it's a great call out by Paul is to, you know, if you're turning 50 – um, that you're 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 eligible for that catch-up contribution right off the top, right? Which is very important. Um, but yeah, that's something from a from a podcast perspective. We'll we'll take a look at some point, and, and maybe we'll do a future topic on that. I think with this, we'll we'll kind of run into the summary recap. I think for me, Paul, you you actually brought something to the forefront that I didn't think about, and I probably should revisit. And that's kind of what the empty nesting living situation looks like. Right. So I, I think that to your point, you don't want to downsize to the point where your kids don't want to come see you, but you don't want to be big enough where it's an, a financial burden to maintain a big house for those occasional trips that they might show up. Right. So I think it comes down to a very personal level. I think it comes down to where you live in the country. I think it comes down to the economics. Uh, but I, I think that that's something that I wanted to kind of take away is kind of revisiting for myself uh, the whole empty nesting uh, right sizing. How do I right size the, the, the home in retirement, the location in retirement that allows me to have my kids come visit me, right? Because the last thing I want to do is, is, is uh, go to, you know, I think it's that Seinfeld episode where they all, I think Jerry's kids go, Jerry's par parents wind up in Boca Vista, which <laughs> they're sleeping yep. on pull-out couches and there's no comfort level. Like, And then my kids are just not looking forward to come visiting me. I'd rather be like my buddy Lou who has this great beach house that the kids love to come back to. So big shout-out to Lou on that front. Uh, yeah, that's, so, that's my plan. That's very cool. Plan. Very cool. So, Paul, what, that's your takeaways from today. Yeah, um you continue to plan, right? And, and that is our plan, is to have a, a location where it is welcoming and everyone can come. Uh, ideally, probably a ranch house. I don't have to deal with steps or a mold crotchety and everything, but, you know. <laughs> yep, no, that's a good call out as well. Very good call out. Yeah, you, you have to be honest with yourself and what are you going to really be like? You know, you probably know if you're going to be a grouchy old man or not. Right. Mm -hmm. You kind of just know you have to be honest with yourself and what what really matters most to you. Uh, but, yeah, thinking about also the not just where and how, but the physical aspects and structure of it, you know. OK, you like, say, the Northeast. Great. But it's still snowing in the Northeast. Well, you still want to deal with that or not. And, and though that's part of it. It's part of the physical attributes of it. And um, the ranch thing, I think, is a big deal. My parents went from a, a good-sized home to a ranch recently. 
and uh, the best thing that happened for them. You know, I, I don't like that they're that much further away from me. They were a two-mile drive. Now they're, I think, a 55-mile drive. I, I, But them having a ranch is just absolutely wonderful for them, and it, it's great. So to me, that that's another aspect of what I'm looking for in retirement is making sure there is enough in the location to allow mobility. The house isn't too small, you know. Maybe, maybe, Paul, you you know, you need a walker at some point, right? You want to make sure it's comfortable long term. Yep, yep, that makes a lot of sense. And I think with that, we'll we'll close out the podcast. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. This is very cool. I'm a walker. No, no. This. <laughs> I think I probably will need one at some point. Um, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping in retirement. And we've talked about this in the past podcast. Um, uh, my ideal retirement is is kind of. Uh, volunteering at an organization on a regular basis, um, daily yoga, daily gym, and maybe some golf, right? So that's kind of what I'm looking towards. That That's kind of what my ideal retirement would look like. So I could do that in a lot of different places. Um, so what about I, you, Jody? What's your ideal retirement? Yeah, Jody dropped off. So he had a drop to go bring his kids to. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it's for everyone. Uh, Jody hit me on the side, and, and Jody sends his regrets, but he has to run. He's got some kids stuff going on. So we're gonna wrap up without Jody, but uh, we'll kind of jump into the the, uh, the 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 finality here. Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. And Paul, thanks for having thanks for coming on to the podcast. This is great. Love having you again. on here. Um, thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you. (laughs) 